Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. It feels great to be back. We have a new microphone, if you can't tell. Uh, it's, it's really exciting for me. I'd been using the same microphone for episodes one through 112. So this is just like behind the scenes stuff that I just wanted to share. This is the first episode where I get to use the new mic and it just feels great to upgrade. I have better audio quality and there's only so much I could do with the other mic because the hardware has its limits. So now that I have a way better microphone, I hope I can put out better sounding podcasts for you guys. So just let me know in the comment section if you guys can tell the difference, if you care. If not, it's all good. We got new stuff coming every week going forward. No more breaks, at least for the foreseeable future. This week we have on Carlos from No Echo. And I was really excited to talk to him just because I am a fan of No Echo. I follow them on Twitter. I definitely go to the website and check out all the interesting articles. I, I love the bass player spotlights, the list of current bands people should be into. It's really great stuff. If you guys have never heard of No Echo or you guys have never been to the website, I highly suggest you check out this interview listen to what Carlos has to say and go check it out. It's a great source material. If you're a fan of hardcore metal or anything related to hardcore metal, I'm sure you could find something that would interest you. And I highly, highly recommend it because it's a website that I frequent and I fully support. So please go check out noecho.net. And without further ado, welcome Carlos to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I've always wanted to like do uh, like you know collaborations with people that are doing stuff for hardcore, and uh, I feel like uh, sometimes people just like don't want to reach out. But like for me, it's something that I want to do. It's uh, like a way to help you know bring us all together and just keep it going strong. So. I have always yeah. been interested in no echo and I've, uh, you know, saw people tweeting how cool it would be to have you on a podcast. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to reach out and see how it goes. And if he's down, awesome. If not, it's all good. So I'm happy that you were down yeah. to do this. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking me. I think a lot of times people are really worried about getting rejection, you know, but I, I've, I've been, uh, in, types of jobs I've had in my life. I've often had the kinds of positions where you have to deal with a lot of rejection. So um, <laughs> maybe I'm not as uh, sensitive to that, but I could appreciate it. You know, I could definitely appreciate not wanting to reach out to someone and, you know, feel like they're not paying attention or, or whatever it is. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely understand that because that was something that I struggled with in the early days of this. Yeah. Uh, and even to this day now, like I, I'm not, everybody gets back to me for whatever reason. I'm obviously not sure why. Um, but yeah. I have to remember, I'm like, okay, I, 
if they don't get back to me, it could be, you know, a million different reasons. So I can't like harp on it too much because the one person who doesn't want to talk to me or who doesn't get back to me, there's like 10 other people who are down to do the podcast and yeah. um, help support it. So that's like the one thing I always got to yeah. remind myself just because somebody doesn't want to talk to me doesn't mean it's the end of the world. There's like, so there's like an endless amount of people to talk to, to do this. Yeah. And, and the more you do it, the more people will come to you and that's, a good way to kind of segue into no echo and, and, and something that I've learned is that with doing the site, which um, isn't something, you know, I don't do it for a living or anything like that, but it is something that I spent a lot of time on. And throughout the years of doing it, you get to the point where you have so many people reaching out to you that you don't really have as much time to maybe reach out to people that you want to, if that makes any sense. So you know, it's like I have so much stuff coming in that I'm trying to, uh, you know, make everyone happy and, and get as much coverage for newer bands that it's hard for me to do the reaching out sometimes on things that maybe are a, a lot of times in the case of the WAC or a lot of older bands I want to talk to or older record label people and, you know, um, artists and and uh, in the beginning of the site, or the first few years, it was a lot of that, me reaching out. And now it's to the point where it's mostly people reaching out to me to, to get coverage. So um, I think the more you do your podcast, the more people will reach out to you. And can you go back to the beginning? Can you talk about mm-hmm. how No Echo came together, where you got the idea, and when did, did it start? It started in 2014, I think in the beginning of 2014, and it was me and one other person, uh, a friend named Andrew, who um, even at that time, I had never met him. And uh, in person, we just knew each other through, uh, he had a a website, still does, called Aversion Line, and Aversion, or Aversion, if you just call it Aversion and Google that, you can't find Aversion Line. Aversion was one of the first sites to cover a lot of the kinds of hardcore and metal that a lot of people like me loved um, from the late eighties, early nineties. So he covered a lot of that. It was like the, just one of those early blogs and we uh, kind of got to know each other a little bit through there. I used to leave comments or I would add some insight to a post about a, a band, an obscure band that I knew something about or I knew personally. And uh, we just got to know each other that way years ago and then yeah in 2014 we just talked about doing something together where we could cover all sorts of music and we could do it you know remotely obviously because we don't he lives on the east coast i'm here in la so it was just you know collaborating you know the spirit of collaboration which is so strong in kind of music a lot of times because it's very DIY focused and there's no one else doing it. So you have to do it together and figure it out. Right. So it was just the two of us. And, uh, we did that. Uh, you know, we, he's builds websites. Um, he works in that field for a living. So he got the site up and running really quickly. I have a lot of contacts in the music business because I've worked in the music business or worked in the music business, uh, on and off for, for years. And so we, you know, we had, the. Uh, the backgrounds, you know, to, to really launch it in an effective way. But um, he lost interest uh, maybe, I don't remember exactly when it was, um, 
after a while, he, he, he wanted to go back to just doing his own thing. Uh, so he went back to just doing his uh, blog. And I decided at that point that I noticed that a lot of the content that was hardcore related, because we used to cover all sorts of styles of music, everything. You go back to early No Echo, it's, it's uh, mind-blowingly different from what you would see on the site now, for the most part. Um, because, I keep on saying this, but we we're both music geeks and we wanted to, the site to be a mirror of that. But what I noticed was the hardcore related things did much, much better in terms of traffic. So when Andrew decided to, to move on, I decided to just focus way more on hardcore. I would say 95% hardcore and then the rest, you know, uh, metal and, and, and some of the more heavy, you know, alternative kinds of, music, lack of a better term. So that was probably like 2017, I want to say. I, and then um, really got going then. And I, I upped the, the content in terms of how much I was getting up on the site. So that was meaning, you know, Monday through Friday, I treated it like a, a regular music website with like Brooklyn Vegan or Stereogum or um, Spin.com where there is constant, uh, you know, content, not as much as those because I don't have a staff of writers, obviously, or any kind of budget. So it was just me and a couple of other people helping. Now I have a small network of people who help out um, some more than others. Some just maybe write one or two things a year. Some, write one thing a week or you know and i keep on bringing up this guy adam yo who i brought him up in other interviews i mean he adam is is a big time helper and he always sends me stuff to to post on the site so you know that kind of uh contributor help is is great but that was a long answer but yeah so no echo started in 2014 as a very different kind of animal and here we are in 2020 and it's obviously become a hardcore um you know focused website it, it was gradual but it you know it was definitely done on on, on purpose I, once i saw that that kind of stuff was really connecting because there weren't that many other places to go for uh you know to go to to read about hardcore bands whether they were current hardcore bands or older ones so i know that people once they the word got out and people were sharing links on facebook and twitter that people really appreciated that you know uh, constant updating because a lot of blogs would be really cool you'd find one on google somehow you stumble on it and you find all this cool stuff on this page and then you go back to it two weeks later and it wasn't updated so i think once people realized that there was going to be constant content going up fresh content they they kept on coming back or they bookmarked it or they just started telling people about it. So that's how it really grew. But a lot of work. Uh, I will say that. Yeah, I can only imagine. I have my own website and honestly, I feel the only part of it that is updated consistently is the podcast section. I have like a, yeah. a, a blog section where I'll just do random uh, you know, blogs about stuff that goes on in my life. But 
Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just so hard for me to go to that part of the website to um, update and like you know type <laughs> out something that I think is like interesting enough for um, me to put out and think people will want to read it. So that part right, like right. rarely gets updated. And then I have like a photos uh, section that I, I like, you know, you know, it's nothing crazy, just like photos that I take with my phone. Yeah. And then I have like a like a web store with a merch that gets updated every now and then but not as frequent so i I, and this is me doing it by myself and obviously there's like no expectation from like uh, like a grand audience like you know of new content besides the podcast like nobody's wondering when the next blog is or when new merch is coming out or when i'm gonna post new pictures so the fact that um, your website I, I can tell just like the plethora of content that there is I, I can only imagine like how busy it is to maintain that consistently to keep people coming back yeah it's um it the hardest part is actually sitting down and writing you know typing into the computer and putting all this stuff together so if, if even if it's someone sending me a contributor or sending me let's say an interview so they'll send me the, the text the copy and in some cases, they'll send me the photos. Often they don't, which, you know, that's a whole other nightmare. But mm-hmm. sometimes they send me photos. So I have to, it's not as easy as just, okay, thank you. And then it's up in 10 minutes. I have to lay it out. I have to go into, you know, the, the, the back end of the website, and uh, which is called the CMS, the content management system. You have to go in there and, and you know, lay it all out and tweak it, make sure it looks okay. Um, and it takes time. And then when it's stuff that I'm writing about, what I tell people a lot is that, you know, when, when, when I, you know, have conversations about the site, someone asks me if we're hanging out somewhere, you know, uh, something that comes up a lot is do you, Oh, there's so much stuff up, up there. How do you keep up? And, uh, with like newer bands, let's say, and my answer is always that, uh, the website is more of a platform to have, people come and check out what's out there. And it's not really a taste-making thing where I'm saying, this band is excellent. Come listen to this band. Some cases I will say that. And when I say it, I really mean it. But um, if you look, if you read really, you know, between the lines, you'll just see that I'm just telling, or not between the lines, because that sounds like it's something uh, nefarious. And what I mean is, it's just information. I'm just laying it out there. This band is from here. They sound kind of like this, or they'll tell me this is the, you know, these are the influences. Uh, this is their new record. They came out with a record before that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's there as, as just a, a, um, just like a profile. And then the, the reader will decide if you like it or not. It doesn't mean that if you see a band on the website that I necessarily love it, it does you know, it's not about that. Now I could have done that. And there are some sites that do that where it's very, pacemaker kind of curate curated with that in mind like these are my this is what i deem good and this is what i think you guys should check out um there is some of that once in a while but i i tend to just cover things just because i want people to to come decide for themselves there's not you know if you're a hardcore band who put together you know a demo or an ep really the, the lines are blurry at this point, what, what the difference is between those two things. But if you're a band that puts up four songs on Bandcamp and you're new and you don't have any noteworthy kind of bullet points for some website, meaning X members of this or that or whatever, or you're not on a label, 
it's hard to get people to uh, give you any kind of attention in terms of press. So, you know, for any genre of music, but um, so I, I want, you know, Noeka to be that place where if you're a band like that in that kind of situation, you can send me the, a link and, you know, um, most of the time I'll cover it. If I don't cover it, it's because time, I don't have time. I forget to, um, you know, or, you know, uh, I, I say I'm going to do it and then I, I completely blank, which has happened and that I, I, you know, it's never done on purpose. But um, yeah, so No Echo is just like a platform. It's just there for people to come and say, okay, let's, let's see what's on No Echo this week. What are some new things? Maybe there's some old stuff. Maybe there's an interview with some obscure band that, you know, that have a very niche kind of following. But if you love that band and you come across this interview, your mind's going to be blown. So that's the kind of thing that uh, I wish I had more time to do. Definitely in the first few years of the say, we had more of that. And I think in 2020, I'm going to be focusing a little bit more time on that, doing kind of uh, retrospective kind of things. Also interviewing people that are on the peripheral, not in bands, but do things that, that you know, help move all this kind of culture forward. So, you know, outside of the, the regular, you know, covering bands, here's a new song by this band or this band is putting a record out on this label. This band is ex-members of this band. You know, all of that will always be part of it, but I want to go back to going into those features where it's interviews that are more thought out and more kind of coming from from what I would want to read if I was, you know, browsing through, you know, Killing Time, the kind of stuff I land on and I, I can't stop reading it. So we'll see. I, I Hopefully I can. Um, with what I do for a living, there's, a, a, you know, I can have time sometimes for no echo related activities, you know, three, four days in a row where I can really spend a lot of time. And sometimes it'll be like three or four days in a row where I can't. So it's a, you know, it's dicey sometimes because I really put a lot of pressure on myself to keep the content on Monday through Friday fresh. So if I look at the website, if I'm looking at it on my phone, let's say, and I can see the, you know, the, I can see the stuff that's already scheduled, that's ready to go, where you wouldn't be able to as a user, but I, I am, I'm logged in. I could see, okay, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, these are the things going up. And then I'll see Thursday and Friday, there's nothing. I'll, I'll start, you know, thinking, man, I got to find some time, even if it's like an hour, half an hour to get something up. So Thursday morning, there'll be something new up there. So um, okay. it's sometimes it's a, you have to have the work ethic to do that. And I think um, people get bummed out because they start doing either a blog or a podcast or whatever, and they don't get what they feel is any traction. Um, and it's really hard to, to launch something. It's easy and hard at the same time. It's easy because we have all these tools now and we can get, we can start a site or, or a podcast in a day and get an Instagram page off, Facebook, whatever, Twitter. But the hard part is really the finding the audience. But I think the only way to do that truly is to be consistent and keep on hammering people with content um, at the very basic level. That is something that I, I keep on preaching to people when they ask me about, you know, I was doing this and 
I don't know, people were really didn't seem like anyone cared or and um and they you know they lose interest they they get bummed out. So I think that if you have to what you have to do is just you know constantly put up fresh content. Um and that is not easy to do, especially when you don't make any money doing it. <laughs> there's no one there's no uh uh financial um you know, there's nothing driving you financially often. So, you know, that's a whole nother story, the financial side of it. But if you really want to do it, I, you know, it's, I, I would assume it's because you love it. So, so um, really you have to just constantly uh, update the content and in doing that, it'll, it'll get better anyway. It'll improve and you'll see what works, what doesn't. It also helps you gauge what, interest is why did this do better than that thing you know uh sometimes i'll to this day um i'll i'll, I'll spend a little more time on something and I'm, I'm oh this is gonna i think this is really gonna connect with people and then um it doesn't you know so that doesn't mean that i won't do that again because I, I love doing it but it really is something to pay attention to what does well and why did it do well you know, oh, it's because this person shared it. Sometimes it's it's something as easy as that. But um, you know, I, I can understand you know not being encouraged by low traffic or low whatever it is. I think especially younger people. I'm 45, so I can be the parent of most of these <laughs> bands I cover at this point, which is crazy. But uh, th these are people and people my age. You know, behind closed doors, especially, they'll talk a lot of trash. And but I, I will say that what I, I do think this is true, which is I think that younger people, people in their early twenties, especially, they've been so conditioned by likes and followers and all this thing that their brain is just wired a certain way at this point, and it's um, it, it it's I could I think it could be dangerous to, to think that way. So. Again, another oh, that's a huge topic to get into, but um, you know, um, it, it is you know, there's nothing wrong with with uh, you know if, if you see if you're putting stuff up that's content like a, an article or a podcast, there's nothing wrong with gauging what people are reacting to and then maybe shifting a bit. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's wise, but I don't think it's everything. In other words, if I covered, let's say, a band, like a, I'll, I'll use a band as an example, a very specific, uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll drop a name, like Acacia Strain is a band that I'm not into that kind of music, Acacia Strain. But let's say someone wrote about Acacia Strain on the site, and that thing did insane numbers. That's great. That doesn't mean that I'm going to now become a website that is more about that kind of band. You know what I mean? I don't think you should change your whole thing up, but it's interesting to see how things react and why, you know, you have to, I think if you're going to really be serious about it and build it, you want to, you want to definitely pay attention to those things. Yeah. And there's like a lot of things to unpack with what you just said. Uh, I, li <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts and I credit mm -hmm. the podcast that I listen to 
um, like Ariel Hawani's MMA hour, Joe Rogan, Fighter and the Kid. And I just listened to them giving advice to their friends who wanted to start a podcast. And the like most common thing that they would give as an advice was be consistent. That's like the hardest thing. You just got to keep things coming and things will yeah. grow in time. And I definitely learned that because um, at the very beginning I was, I, I felt like, uh, that this could go somewhere, but it's an, I was kind of afraid to kind of take on that responsibility of trying to put out, um, in what I thought or what I think in my mind is cool podcasts that people would want to listen to. So, um, yeah. early on I would like self-sabotage and just like, you know, take breaks. But I had some friends who were like, yo, like you got to, you know, stop doing that and just do it because we know you want to. So luckily I had those friends to push yeah. me in the right direction. And here we are, like, I think we're like on two years, like just about doing it seriously. So that is definitely great advice. If anybody just wants to do anything like a zine, uh, a blog, yeah. start your own podcast, just be consistent and and if this is what you really want to do and if you're doing it for the right reasons, like you'll be fine. Like it's not going to happen yeah. overnight or it could happen overnight, but just like stick with it and it'll be fine. Like just, you don't have to worry about all the, like the crazy, like, you know, analytics, like on day one, like that stuff comes in time. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're someone with a built in audience already, you know, the minute you, you launch, if you launch a podcast or a website or whatever, if you have a built-in audience, then you could expect them to, or at least a portion of them to follow you, at least to get it a shot, give it a chance. But if you don't, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's work to get people to pay attention to it. Um, in a tasteful way, you don't want, you know, there's cheap ways of doing, getting attention, Clutch which eight. is not, no echo, no, uh, no echo, not, not what no echo is about. I have been guilty of getting into arguments with people on Twitter and I've, it caught myself and I'm like, what am I doing? This is not what, you know, this is stupid. Like I'm getting into a fucking argument about, you know, some dumb opinion, some hot take on some band, you know? Yeah. I, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm guilty. I, I, have you know, fallen victim to that. I, I, like I said, I try to catch myself and go, like, what am I doing? You know, I even had friends say, Hey, don't, don't, don't bother. Don't engage. Yeah. You don't know, you're doing something positive. Just stay positive. Yeah. It's like, don't feed the trolls. Just ignore them. Let them do their thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and and, and they are, you know, they exist. They they go they go after the West Coast sometimes, yeah. for whatever reason. So. so early on, I never wanted to put myself in a box, but people like to label the podcast that I do as a hardcore podcast. But I mm -hmm. disagree because, granted, the majority of my guests are hardcore affiliated, but I also right. will have um, like my buddy Garrett on. We'll talk about um, Disneyland or dis Disney stuff in general because we're huge fans. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I just try to keep it open. So people will like, will try to throw that label at me and I'll, I never accept it because I, I, I like to, uh, have people on and just talk about things that I'm interested in, not just like, you know, hardcore. Because for me, I like more things than just hardcore. Like hardcore is definitely a <laughs> big part of my life, but it's not like the only yeah. thing that I do with my life. So right. one thing I, I like about no echo, like the, I, I guess the tagline, uh, hardcore metal and everything in between. I, I think that's just such a, yeah. like a perfect way to describe what no echo is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, with, um, what I've noticed in the last year with ax to grind, 
and you know the popularity of that podcast, uh, the the use of the hardcore adjacent, you know, as as a, as a, a genre kind of, you know, um, kind of label thing, you know, oh, it's hardcore adjacent, so that can be a lot of different things. So yeah, um, hard uh, hardcore metal and everything in between is everything in between would be the hardcore adjacent. Um, it, it brings up something interesting that someone was, was, I was having this conversation with someone, went to see Higher Power and their new record is very different from the previous one. And, um, oh, they discovered listening, you know, the person I was, you know, having a conversation with said, oh, they, sounds like they discovered a bunch of these bands and they incorporated that into their sound. And, you know, I, I had to remind this person that has happened forever. So if I go back to when I was playing in bands in, you know, in, in like the early nineties, the, um, you know, you could, you could even from like a photo, a band photo, you could see, Oh, rocket from the crypt became a thing. So all these hardcore kids got into rocket for the crypt. Oh, everyone's into my bloody Valentine, you know, back then. And I remember back then people were already hating on that. Oh, that's so cheesy and wannabe and hardcore is this and hardcore is that, you know, keep it agnostic front, keep it sick of it all or whatever. You know, I remember Unbroken because the guys in Unbroken loved Morrissey and, and Britpop and people, you know, not everyone, but there was always people saying, oh, that's bullshit. And, and I see that now. Um, there'll be bands I cover on, on Echo, and there'll be kids from hardcore bands, but they're doing a new band and it's, you know, uh, Dream Poppy or Shoegazy or, you know, Indie Rockish and, oh, such one. And it's like, do I have to remind you that we were the same way, you know, when we were coming up, like this is cyclical and this is, this happens all the time. You get burned out on just playing one style of music or listening to one style of music, which a lot of, you know, back then at least people used to really be like that. I think kids are a little more open-minded now with genres, but you know, you get burned out and you want to try different things. So I, I get that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole everything in between is a really good way to just have a wide net. So it could be a, a guy from a hardcore band and he's doing maybe something that's kind of alt country or, you know, I don't know, anything, synth pop. And we'll cover it, you know, uh, because it is in, in the world of hardcore uh, still, you know, somehow, uh, whether it's, you know, a member is from the hardcore scene or a hardcore label put it out. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a nice way to have more variety in there. And as long as you've been around, you've been like into hardcore doing this like way longer than I have. Uh, maybe it's because I've seen so much. I've grown numb to um, people being surprised at these trends that come and go in hardcore. Cause I, <laughs> I swear I've seen every different style of hardcore be the most popular style at one point. And right. I always tell everybody it's just a cycle. Like obviously yeah. um, with newer kids coming into hardcore and wanting to play, you know, their favorite style of hardcore, it's always going to change. Like not one style is always going to be dominant. And I don't think anybody should be surprised that, you know, that these trends, you know, always come and go. It's just like, just like normal life. 
So it, it just blows my mind sometimes that people are so surprised that these things can infiltrate hardcore and affect the whole community and then just disappear. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, again, I, I keep on bringing up age, but it's, it's something that the age thing comes up a lot, even on, on, uh, on Twitter, on the no echo Twitter feed. So that's would be what people call hardcore Twitter, right? In oh, that kind of realm worst. in the last couple of days, <laughs> yeah. in the last couple of days, there was something going around about, um, you know, 25 year olds going to hardcore shows or some kind of thing about age and how if you're in your late twenties and you're still going to hardcore shows, like some kind of like shame to it. And I'm sitting there on my, my computer thinking, oh, wow, I'm 45 and I have two kids a mortgage. Like, how should I feel? Man, do you think 20, 28 is, is over the hill? Um, but you know, it's, you, you don't want to be that person going, let me tell you something, you know, uh, young buck, let me tell you how it's really, you don't want to be that person, but you do do it in your head. I, I do find myself going, Oh, you sound so stupid. And you know, when you, you read what you wrote in 10 years, you're going to feel like an idiot. Um, if, if, you know, if you're into hardcore, huge, you know, big time into hardcore, um, it could be any genre, but let's keep it on hardcore, uh, for this conversation. You, in your, you know, 23, 24 years old, and you're super into it. I am telling you most of the time, most people will get to a point where they'll, not maybe abandon it fully, but a lot of times they do and get into other things. And that just happens. I don't think it's, I've never thought that that's some kind of like people say dropping out. I, I've never looked at it that way. I think it's just, you know, evolving people, you know, again, they get burned out on it. Um, and they, they start experiencing different things and different moods and, you know, phases and, they discover they meet new people. They discover different types of music. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, what I've never liked and what I've been critical of are people who, once they get to that point, then they make fun of it and they go, "Oh, it's stupid," and that's immature or so cheesy. That I, I, you know, I don't have any. I think that's that, that's pointless, and I've never liked that. And I've seen that with my in my life, you know. Um, but going back to that. What I will also say is a lot of times, you know, people come and go. So they'll be really into hardcore teens, 20s. They get out of it. They're into, in my case, so it was like everyone got into um, uh, like pavement and, and stuff like that, you know, guided by voices. And then, you know, they don't, they had no idea what anything was happening in the hardcore world at that time. And then they came back. So that happens too. And when they come back, they're like insufferable about it sometimes. Um, it's almost like they have to catch up and they have to remind people, well, I was here back, you know, I was there, I was at that show. And it's, that's, that, that's so boring too, you know? So I'm critical of people in my age group as well. You know, it's, it's just because someone's, you figure they're older, they should know better, but I see it to this day. I have friends who are so critical of, you know, they, they have this thing, oh, I was there first. It's like, yeah, you were there first because you're older. There's no, you know, there's no other reason why, uh, it, it, you know, it's not because you're any smarter or, or, or better or have better taste. It's just you were, you know, 20 years old in 1995. So, yeah, you could be at that, you know, 
um, Unbroken Show or Earth Crisis or whatever, or if you don't like those bands, you know, fill it with any other kind of band you like. Uh, is Heroes Gone. Um, so I've always been, I, I've always been intrigued by that whole thing and how people act and there's so much insecurity involved in it. You know, it's like this grand sweeping statement, like I'm not into that anymore. Oh, that's, I used to be into that or we have to put it down because they've moved on. And I don't know, I, I, I'd never liked that, but you know, sometimes the people who scream the loudest about that too, like, Oh, I see people on Twitter, you know, you know, drop people going to drop out and, you know, um, it's like everything, you know, revolves around hardcore and, and, and I'm telling you, I've seen it. It happens even with generation before mine, generation after mine, uh, people, sometimes those are the, the loudest ones are the ones that, you know, in two years won't give a fuck about hardcore. So, you know, you gotta, I think you have to be careful with what you say, you know, especially with social media, it's embarrassing, you know, you know, like, you, know yeah. um, you know what I mean? So that's something I've, I've, I've thought about a lot, you know, throughout the years and people coming and going and it's okay to come and go, but don't be so critical of people when they do, you know? And sometimes people, you know, I've had friends who they were into hardcore. They played in bands alongside bands I played in and they were into it. They never really got back into it. And that's fine. And they maybe even go back to some of the stuff they grew up on. And that's okay too. You don't have to come back, but um, you should be, if, if you do decide to come back because you, you know, for some reason you're like, you know what, I, I'm really craving this kind of music again for whatever reason. That's fine. It should be, you know, it should be okay to do that. There's no rule to it. So, I definitely have a bunch of friends who have uh, dropped out and or are stuck in a certain time period of hardcore, like when they were like really active <laughs> and going out listening to bands, which is uh, mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. And for me, I always just try to be that beacon for them because I know that they try to use the excuse like, oh, like I'm just not really into the newer stuff. And then I'll argue I'm like, no, you're just not really like looking for hardcore because like I guarantee you the bands that you listen to right now that you've been listening to for the past 10 years, there's bands currently that, that sound just like that or, or maybe even better. Right. And I guarantee you that you would mm -hmm. be into this music still. It's just for some reason you just kind of gave up and that's fine. But to me, that's always been foreign. I never like once uh, thought about walking away or, you know, growing up and listening to like other kinds of music, because for me, like once I, yeah. once I got into this, I, I just kind of dove in head first and I just never looked back. And it's like with me every day, like I, I've, I've always been like had this weird hunger to want to uh, see what's going on in hardcore. That's new. Like I've always been fascinated with different scenes and, just trying to discover every band that, that I could. So I, I it does yeah. like seem weird to me that people can just, you know, disappear or walk away and just ignore that part of their life, especially <laughs> the people who like, you know, claim to be the diehards hardcore for life. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just like kind of strange for me, but I, I don't like to dwell too much on those people because for me, I always just want to appreciate the here and now in hardcore, obviously 
I wish I um, had been able to experience stuff when I was younger because I, I knew about stuff like certain shows, but I just couldn't make it out because I wasn't old enough to drive. My parents didn't want to take me. I didn't have any friends who were old enough to drive. So I always just try to appreciate and just get the most out of uh, the experiences that I can have instead of just being stuck and talking about the good old days because it's fun every once in a while but that's not what, what i just want to like live like you know hardcore through yeah. is like you know the the, the past because it, it's still going on currently and the things that they're glorifying it's like dude we could be out there you know creating new and better memories because hardcore yeah. just doesn't stop and there's always good bands when half heart did that or those reunion shows and there was that all that you know hype around it, and it's selling out in minutes, and and uh, all of that kind of, at least in our world, that was a huge story, right? In the hardcore world, that was the yeah. really probably the biggest story of last year. Uh, and again, going back to people my age, you know, <laughs> behind closed doors or in private groups and on Facebook or whatever, a lot of like, who's half hearted, and why do kids give a fuck about them? Who the fuck is that? Just another, like whatever hardcore band and like and it's like you don't that when they say that it's when people do the whole okay boomer thing it's like justified when i hear stuff like that i'm like this is why people look at you as like you know some old crotchety man because i get i get it you know whoa half heart is that popular to those people to that generation I get being surprised by it because even I was like, whoa, I didn't know they were that, um, you know, important to people. I really didn't. Now, I remember them being popular, but wow, I was blown away by the response, not in a negative way, more in a surprise way, but I thought it was great, you know, and um, I did what I could in Echo to, you know, support that, not that they needed it. But I, there was people that were that I knew that were like, eh, whatever. Okay. And I'm like, you know, that's exactly the kind of thing that, you know, we hated when we were younger, you know, because we used to hear, oh, Chromags in 86 at CB's, man. And it's like, well, I was 11. <laughs> what do you want me to do? You know? um, so, you know, they, 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 they thought bands from our, you know, our age group, uh, the bands I came up with, they, you know, uh, oh, you think those bands are good, man? Oh, a few years ago, like, you know, five, six years ago or 10 years ago, that was when it was really happening. Bad Brains at A7, you know, and it's, um, I've, I, I've always, again, going back to just not being critical of that kind of thing. Uh, I took it like, wow. That band must mean a a lot to these people, to, to you know, young younger you know people. That's great, you know, and I don't see anything negative about it. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of you know behind the scenes like, uh, who's that? Who gives a fuck about that band? Why do they care so much? It's like, well, why do you care so much about uh, you know, you know, fill in the blank for a band from my age group, you know, from the '90s, you know, so. You know, um, it's, it, I'm always thinking about these things and, and kind of, I have my a foot in each world in my current <laughs> age group world and that life. And then I, I, because of the website, that's the only reason I'm 
seeing how, you know, younger people are, are, you know, discussing this kind of subject, hardcore and these bands and these reunions. And, um, you know, so it's something that I always think about. All these things to me are, are really intriguing. I've always been interested in them. They frustrate me a lot of times uh, when people are so dismissive, but, um, you know, and if I, if I don't like something, for example, I'm not a Code Orange fan, uh, you know, I don't get it, but that's fine. And who cares what I think? So, you know, there's a difference between not liking something, but then being really just like stupid about it, you know? And it comes off like you're jealous too, you know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely when get you that. The fo- uh, you know, when you, the photos came out of the Half Heart show, the outdoor show, people, you know, on, I remember on Facebook, uh, people were like, I can't believe that many people went to see that band. It's like, yeah, I know, because they didn't go see your band when you were playing. You know, there weren't there weren't half that many people ever at any of your shows. So, it, you know, it annoys you on some level. So it just comes off very petty and you know, I thought we were in this kind of music, this scene, because we weren't like that. But it turns out a lot of us are. Yeah, it's always strange to me um, when people want to like go out and bash a band, especially when they're a hardworking band. Uh, because yeah. doing music, especially in hardcore, it it's definitely like a lot of work, especially to get people on the same page and just to, you know, record music, put out records, tour, get merch printed. Uh, it's definitely a big deal. So for me, I always just try to be respectful. Like there's definitely bands that I don't like. And when people ask yeah. uh, on like a public forum or if I'm going to speak about a band that I don't like, I say like as far as I'll go is I'll just say I'm not a fan. I'm not going to ever yeah. uh, go on a public forum and be like, yo, that band fucking sucks. Like fuck that band. Like it, it just does no good for anybody. Cause I don't want to no. uh, make those people feel bad for working hard at what they love and what they're putting out because I'm just mm-hmm. a, another guy. So me going out and talking shit about a band just because I don't like them. It's, it's stupid. It's pointless. And everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but I, I just think yeah. it's, it's just really, really dumb and wrong for people to go out and just bash a band just because they don't like them. It's like, don't you have anything better to, like to do with your life? <laughs> I know exactly. And if, if they're, musicians themselves or have, have, you know, have been in bands in the past. It, sometimes I start thinking, Hmm, a little jealous, maybe, you know? Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, why, why, why bother with it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, on the topic of age, what keeps yeah. you going and, uh, being like involved in hardcore because, uh, you said you were 45. That's, uh, yeah, you're, you're about 14 years older than me. So the fact that somebody mm-hmm. like you, um, who's that age and is still dedicated to hardcore and just putting out the content that you do through the website, I, I think it's yeah. really awesome. So I, I'm just curious, like what keeps you so involved in hardcore? I love the immediacy of it. I love the idea that a band could come together on Monday and then have songs up, you know, a week later and maybe playing a show that month. I've always liked that about hardcore punk, um, you know, uh, and that's coming from someone who, uh, you know, I love, love music. And 
if you look at what I listen to on Spotify, which is the way I, I consume music these days, or for the last, you know, I don't know how many years now, what I listen to mostly isn't even hardcore, but, you know, I'm always listening to music. But what hardcore for me is really, you know, the, the thing I love about it is that that immediacy, that kind of DIY to the, you know, highest level. You don't need infrastructure. You can just do it yourself. And I love the spirit of that. I love that there are people who do zines and do uh, t-shirts and put on shows. If a show gets canceled, okay, come, come, we can play a show in a living room. You know, I've played those shows before. And um, at kind of rebel, whatever it takes to make it happen, we'll make it happen. I, I've always loved that about hardcore punk. And you do see it now more uh, in other genres of music and hip hop, certainly with SoundCloud. And, you know, uh, well, they're not going to give us any attention or give us any kind of money. We'll just do it ourselves. And, and, um, and we'll, you know, and people will find it hopefully. So you do see it now more in other genres. Um, but yeah, I, I love that, that, that willingness to just, we want to do it and we'll start building it and maybe we'll get picked up by someone, you know, a label in a band case or a, a booking agent. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't, but for now we're going to just get it started. Let's, you know, let's just get going. I love that. I love that energy. Um, I work in television and I'm constantly pitching uh, ideas and, that is really something that I hate about uh, TV film is this idea that you have to have a lot of money to back these things to make them happen. Uh, you have to get in with a, you know, let's say, a, a, let's say a Netflix or or, or cable channel or a, a studio. You know, there's a lot of committee to that. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of how do you even get it in front of people? Who do you know? So I think that going, you know, spending a lot of time in mind on hardcore and, and, and the hardcore community in the world of hardcore is really refreshing to see. I could just do it. And that goes to no echo. I can just, I think about something or I think about a band or I, I read something somewhere or I see it and oh, I'll just write it and put it up there. And you know what? It's at the point now where there's an audience on No Echo regardless. So I know that people will read it, you know? So that is really, really fulfilling and a nice um, way to counter my other life. You know, like I, like I was mentioning, the, the whole, uh, you know, TV kind of stuff. I hate about it. I hate, I hate that, you know, pitching and the... We talked about rejection early on in this call. Was, you know, I can handle rejection, but sometimes it's not getting an answer for months. And you know, hardcore is just about now. Let's do it now. You can't play the show, uh, homeboy. We can teach him the bass lines. It's not that hard. <laughs> you know, we're not playing King Crimson songs. So I love that. You know, um, 
sometimes I love it more than the music, you know, just the, the vibe of it, you know, um, every, every kind of music that I go, you know, when I go to a show for other kinds of styles, I went to see Willie Nelson uh, for the first time last month. I think it was, I went to go see Willie Nelson with a friend in an arena and we had a great time and I loved it. And it's such a different vibe. Now, you know, <laughs> we were, uh, you know, at 45, it was nice to be young for a change at a show. Um, but so it's a whole different vibe, but going into a hardcore show where I, I am one of the older people, um, you know, I still love to see that uh, or feel that energy that, that DIY, we don't, you know, we don't need to have anyone else tell us it's okay. We're just going to do it. Love that. Um, so that's a long answer, but I really do feel that the energy of it, the, that, that spirit is something that I've, I've always been drawn to. And it's pro probably kept me engaged with it uh, more than a lot of people I've gr grew up with. Um, you know, there have been phases throughout the years where I've been less connected to it, always kept up with it, but not as much as I am now, the website. So I always, you know, kept up with, with, you know, at least the, you know, the, the more notable releases, you know, but, um, so I was never completely out of the loop, but, um, going back to with no echo and, and, and really spending a lot of time on, on doing it, it's, I have, there's like no choice. I am in the middle of it and I just love the energy of it, you know, as much as I can complain about it, like I have on this, this conversation about certain things, those complaints have been there forever. These are not new complaints. It's just now social media gives everyone a platform to air them out, but it's always been, you know, the same, same old shit, you know, people breaking, breaking, uh, you know, breaking edge, uh, people dropping out, people complaining that current hardcore stuff compared to the last wave of hardcore people complaining that there aren't enough venues, people complaining that this label sucks or it's the same same shit people have been complaining about since I got into it, which is going back to junior high school. So that's in the eighties. And it was like that. So, um, as much as that shit is a bummer at times, I try not to get it, you know, I try not to let it get to me and, and like, you know, just keep on pumping out the content, giving people a platform to push new bands and more obscure bands. Um, Another thing that it's always been a popularity contest. So if you, certain bands and certain scenes and certain labels or label will be the hot thing, you've seen this, right? So, and then unfairly bands are not invited to that cool kid party, get shunned and they don't get, the bands don't get the attention and the band just goes away. Sometimes those bands are actually really interesting and doing something really great. They just don't have the the social kind of currency that comes along with being in the cool scene. You know, uh, in the '90s there were you know depending on the style of hardcore you you know you played, but Victory Records was the hot thing with Strife and Snapcase and Earth Crisis. That was the label you wanted to be on, <laughs> you know, for a certain period at least. Um, you know, uh, locking out much later had you know there's always cool labels in quotes always and i'm not putting those labels down because 
hugely important labels. It's not the label's fault. It's just that it just becomes trendy. And, you know, they're, you know, any, any band affiliated with that, with that label or scene is going to get a lot of attention. So I want to make sure that even the bands are not part of, of, you know, of that kind of elite cool scene or affiliation get, get some attention or at least have a platform and you decide, you know, um, I love triple B. I think triple B is by far the best label right now. And what I love about what he does, what Sam does is he's consistently putting out records and uh most of them I, I really 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 dig and that's hard to do um to put out that many records and, and keep people that engaged and um i love i love triple b you know but not every band could be on triple b so um we 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 need to give those other kinds of or those other bands a little bit of attention you know yeah, I, I definitely get that. I have people approach me every now and then and ask me, oh, why don't you have so-and-so on? And like, part of me wants to give them the truth and uh, kind of break it down uh, that there's like these weird politics behind the scenes that people don't really understand unless you're involved in actually having to deal with these people uh, firsthand. So uh, it, it, it bums me out because me be like reaching out and being a, a fan of uh, a certain person and then finding out that they're like too cool or whatever to do the podcast. That's like a big like bummer. Cause it's just like, damn it. Like now I have to try to separate like, you know, the art from the artists right. and uh, right. yeah, it, it's just rough. <laughs> and that's something that I just knew that I was going to have to deal with when I started doing this. And for for a long time, there there was a period where I was was still in hardcore. I would go to shows, keep up with the current bands, but I wouldn't participate in like the social aspect. I would go see the bands that I wanted to see, buy merch, and then I would just go home because I was like, like I was just like, ew, this is just so gross to me that that there's like this weird like social ladder that people want to have to climb to feel cool and fit in with uh, these certain groups of people in hardcore. But I'm just like that, like to me is like just so gross because that was never ever the reason why I got into hardcore for me. Um, maybe it's cause like th- where I grew up, there was like the scene was pretty much like non-existent. So I was like, really appreciative of other hardcore kids just being into the music and us getting excited, seeing other like hardcore kids in the wild. But now uh, with the access to the internet and social media, it's way easier to find hardcore kids these days and all these weird little clicks form, which is normal that that happens in like all walks of life, but uh, just seeing it in hardcore uh, just is just really weird to me. And and that's just something that I've never been into. It's like, if I'm going to meet somebody, I want to like them for who they are, not because of like what band they're in or what people they know or hang out with, because that just doesn't interest me because, uh, like to me, the, it's just like I don't care. Like it, that doesn't benefit me in any way. No, no, I agree. I I 100% agree with what you just said. Um, I I have you know I have friends you know in the hardcore scene. You know I'm not from LA originally. I grew up in New York City, but I've made some really good friends out here in the years we've lived here. And the ones that are from the hardcore scene, 
um, they come from different kind of little pockets of the hardcore scene. They're not all from one click, mm-hmm. which speaks to what you're saying. It's not about, for me, it's about the person and the quality of the, the relationship we could have. It's not about, um, you know, the click they're in or, 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 you know, it's, it's, you know, in, in my case, it's people that are more in my age group probably because we, we share more of the same kinds of experiences and we relate to each other more. So it's, you know, they just happen to be from the hardcore scene in some way, uh, shape or form. It's not because of a click. Yeah. I've never, never been into that. Even when I was younger in New York and played in bands, I was um, always aware of that. I had never been, never been uh, in, in any kind of really click. So yeah, I relate. Yeah. So that's a pretty interesting aspect of hardcore, but just, yeah, just something that I just never really wanted to get involved with because I, I, I never wanted to um, make anybody feel like I was too cool for them to uh, approach me. I, I, I always want to project that I'm, you know, just a normal person willing to talk to anybody. Uh, we're obviously at, at a hardcore show because we have some similar interests and yeah. I, I just never wanted to be that person that people looked at and was like, oh, like he's too cool. Like I, and obviously people, you know, form their own opinions about me in their mind, which is totally fine. But I, I just never wanted to be that because I'm not better than anybody. I look at myself as equal and I'm willing to talk to anybody who wants to talk to me. Yeah, no, same here. Same here. Uh, I haven't had too many uh, experiences where people, uh, you know, from will approach me because they know me from the website somehow. It, it, it has happened. And uh, I, I love that. I love to, to, to meet people and, and talk. But um, yeah, I've never, I've always been kind of weary of clicks. So, yeah. huh. so one thing I, I kind of want to switch gears in your mm-hmm. Twitter bio, you uh, have some companies that you used to work for. And one company that I find is really interesting is AOL. Can you talk about what you Uh did at AOL? Because for me growing up in like the early days of the internet, like I had dial up AOL and I used to (laughs) go in the chat rooms and it was just like this whole weird thing. And like, it's just so crazy to me to think back and like, that's how the internet was. Like you had to have some sort of, uh, ISP that had a program like that. It was so strange now. Well, I worked at, um, AOL, when I lived out here in LA and I worked, uh, for AOL music. So AOL used to have a music presence. Okay. Uh, and they used to spend a lot of money on, on, on that. So they would have like, you know, AOL TV, AOL auto, every kind of facet you can think of, of, uh, you know, some kind of world where they can make money. They, they had a presence. So I was, uh, an editor at AOL music and, uh, specifically I worked with all of AOL. So I, real quick i used to run they used to have uh different verticals so like little websites under the umbrella of aol music uh they had one for rap they had one for country they had pop and i ran the 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 metal one uh and that was called noise creep and a terrible name but i ran that for a few years so that was under aol so that was cool um and um, I also did a lot of other stuff for AOL Music. So I, I would, um, you know, we'd have huge artists come in 
uh, in our studio in Beverly Hills, and we would have performances and interviews and really, you know, top notch, like a television production kind of thing. And that's um, that's something I, I I helped with too. I you know whether it was Slayer, you know, on the metal side of things, or Lenny Kravitz, or um, what's another one I did? I think. Um, Switch to speaker. Um, uh, Dixie Tricks, I think, was another one. When these artists would come in, I would I would uh, produce the segments, uh, you know, the interview aspect uh, of uh, of it all, you know, there. So I did that, and um, AOL made a lot of money uh, during that era when you you know that you brought up the whole dial-up thing. They made a lot of money, and um, they had money to to spend and burn and. It was fun while it lasted, while, while I was there. AOL Music was already around for a while before I got there. But I was there uh, at the tail end of it, unfortunately. I was there, worked there, I think, two years, maybe three years. And um, eventually, you know, they pulled the plug on all the AOL Music, you know, properties. They didn't want to spend money on, on music. So, um, you know, that that was obviously a bummer. But it was it was interesting to see that. And it got me in that kind of TV, uh, you know, you know, production side of things. It, it taught me how that worked. I had television. I switched over to, um, to TV and the experience I had from AOL helped me with that. Yeah. I, I just find it really interesting. Cause like when I saw that in your bio, it just gave me like all these like weird flashbacks to having to sign on <laughs> and like, I, yeah. I, I don't know why, but it was just like me and like just people. It was like, I think like, like four or five other people like spread across the U.S. We would always congregate in this uh, chat room. It was this band called uh, Vertical Horizon. And like none of yeah. us, li- like none of us listened to that band. We just randomly chose that <laughs> room and we would always go in there and that's where we would meet. And um, and then eventually we just uh, yeah and then we eventually just stopped going in the room and just kind of graduated to just um a- we went to aim so it was just like instant messenger so we just right. like talked that way right so it's, yeah yeah no I, I I would tell people I worked at AOL and they would bring that up and they're like what do you, what do you mean you work at AOL what, what how was AOL still around and it was always like this <laughs> this this lead into the conversation I had to explain um, because when when I worked there we had bought Huffington Post. So um, I did stuff with Huffington Post as well. So that was a brand people were more familiar with because it was a current, more of a current type thing. So yeah, when people would hear AOL, they're like, what do you mean AOL? Like dial up AOL? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it, it, it was a fun experience. I, I got hired there through, again, the hardcore uh, world. Uh, my friend Mike Spinella was running, um, or one of the guys running AOL music and he, he brought me in. And I knew him from New York, from just, you know, the hardcore scene. He was from the same kind of era and place I was from. So hardcore has, you know, that is something that also comes up a lot. You know, you meet people and when you have that connection through hardcore, even if you didn't know them before, it's like instant, like, uh, you know, on a, on a work-related thing, you know, um, it's like an instant, like, oh, okay. You know, we we have this already in common. That's huge. You know, so that that that's really nice too. I see that with with TV and film. You know, I've been on sets, uh, you know, documentary sets where people have, you know, they'll they'll um, 
they've said to me, you know, I, I actually read No Echo, you know, so, or they know a band I played in before or something, or, or you know, we were from, we had mutual friends or something, um, you know, so that that's also cool. Yeah, I love running into people um, that are into hardcore in like the most random places. Yeah. Yeah, for me, for, for me, I, I spend a lot of time in Disneyland. So whenever I see people mm-hmm. with like a hardcore shirt, I'll do my best to try to stop them and talk to them and not seem like a yeah. like a crazy weirdo. Because there's been times where people will like look at me and just like go the other way. But there's been some cool instances where like I've talked to people that are from other states and just, you know, just kind of nerding out about like the current state of hardcore. It's always like cool to me because I'm always down to talk about it because I, I like it so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I I wear band T-shirts most days of of my life. I lucky enough where I can do that. <laughs> I don't have to uh, wear a suit and tie or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're basically walking billboards for these bands, right? Or walking billboards for the scene. Um, and you know, if I'm wearing a hardcore shirt, um, you know. There have been many times where I've, I've been with even my kids and another parent will say, oh, man, I love, you know, whatever, Snapcase or I love, you know, uh, I was wearing um, uh, you know, that band Gulch. I have a Gulch T-shirt and I was wearing a Gulch shirt and this guy went up to me and said, um, oh, I love that band, man. Um, you know. Uh, I don't listen to I don't listen to death metal that much, but I love that band. I'm like, oh well, people want to consider them death metal. <laughs> we got into this whole conversation about of that. He was probably like around my age, and um, you know, so yeah, just random conversations sometimes you know, wearing band T-shirts, and and uh, I've been at kid parties. Uh, I took my kid to uh, or my son to a birthday party, one of those play gyms, and and one of the the mothers said, you know, the moms was like, oh my god. I went to go see Agnostic Front with Prong in 19, you know, and it was like, oh my God, never would have thought this, this woman uh, would have gone to see Agnostic Front and Prong in 1990, whatever, you know? So, um, yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, it, it's definitely awesome. Uh, you also, uh, um, you're involved with, or you have another project, uh, Fascination Street? Yeah, that's what I, that's, uh, I have um it's me and one other person. I used to work at a cable network and we both worked uh, on the same project together, got along really well. And we started doing our own um, production. So he, he's a director and an editor uh, and I'm more of a writer producer. So we pool, you know, our talent together and we have a, a deal with a, a big production company. So right now we're just um, developing a, uh, TV, you know, series and documentaries um, that we, you know, we come up with the two of us, and then we get it to a point where it's ready, and then the bigger production company that we have a deal with, they have the option to then take it on, and then we pitch together, and then you know, uh, it sells, and we we share the profits with them, obviously. So that's what we do. Um, and Fascination Street is a cure song, so. He, my partner, isn't into metal or hardcore, but we both love uh, British music and we both love The Cure. So I wanted to have a band that we both could share, you know, that with. And, uh, you know, we thought of a new order and, and yeah, 
uh, Echo and the Bunnymen or try to think of song titles, something that can be our, our identity, our brand name, you know, the company name. And Fascination Street just stuck out and he was into it. So, so yeah, so we have um, something right now that is uh, close to getting the green light. Actually had a really good meeting yesterday with, with um, I won't say who, but it was only because I don't want to jinx it. Um, I've learned that the hard way um, until it's in writing and there is some kind of money in your in your account from it. It's not a done deal in television. So um, we have a couple of things that are really, really close. One is uh, like pretty much, you know, done uh, in terms of uh, finding uh, a buyer. So we shall see. But we also do uh, branded content meaning uh, brands will pay for, you know, YouTube, uh, you know, content or stuff they want to use on social media. And we do do that as well, which is, you know, quicker. And that's how we make our money most of the time outside of our deal. Um, and, you know, we did a music video for Body Count, uh, Ice T's uh, band. Um, don't do, haven't done really other music videos because, I don't, you know, the world that I mostly deal with is metal and hardcore, and there's no budgets for, for that. In other words, um, I would do it, but my partner, who isn't invested musically into this kind of stuff, if the money isn't there, he doesn't want to spend time on it. So I have to respect that. So I've said no to a, a few, you know, video-related things, unfortunately. Um, the body count video was a different story. There was a budget. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Fascination Street is, is everything that my partner and I, we, we do together. Um, and we have a, a, a deal where we're on retainer with a bigger crush company. And, you know, we do other stuff for them. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's part of the reason or big reason why I could spend more time on OECO because I don't work a nine-to-five type job. I don't have anyone really looking over my shoulder. You know, we we, we are our own bosses and, you know, that could mean we, you know, we have to go shoot something on a Sunday. We have to go shoot it. Um, but it, it also means that we don't have to um, have a, a set Monday through Friday kind of schedule. So um, that's nice. So I had a chance to watch the video on the website while you were sleeping. Um, is yeah. there a, a way to find out if these things um, have gotten picked up that you guys have worked on? Well, that that's, yeah, that's older. That was, mm -hmm. that was, we worked at Fuse, the cable network together. Okay. And that's a, a series that we had developed for them. And we did a pilot episode. And um, that one was about the, kind of like what happens at night, like different subcultures. And um, for that, we did a segment on, on this really cool underground wrestling um, event which again, hardcore scene, um, Brody King, the wrestler who comes from the hardcore scene, uh, Brody, um, put me in touch with the promoter and we filmed this wrestling event that was in his warehouse. And I think it was in Chinatown or, or someone somewhere down there. And, um, that was one of the segments in it. So that was while you were sleeping with something we did for fuse. It aired on fuse, uh, a bunch of times, but, um, we, we, um, we didn't get it to series. We, 
you know, it, it didn't, it didn't take for a full series run. So that one episode, I don't know if the whole episode is on our website, but I think the, the whole episode ran on a network, uh, you know, a bunch of times. So, yeah. So I have to actually update that website. Now you bring it up, um, with more recent things we've done, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's like, like I said earlier, it's, Anything with TV and film, man, there's so much just waiting around and pitching and, and this development takes, you know, months and months and months. And sometimes they'll pay you and they'll give you money to do, to start developing. And then they, they change their mind and then, you know, yeah, you got paid, but you didn't get to do this thing that you were so set on. So it's heartbreaking. You know, it could be really brutal on, on, uh, your, your ego, <laughs> quite frankly. So, uh, yeah, uh, so that's that's fascination street. It's, it's how I, I make a living, you know. Yeah, um, well, I I, th- I think it's awesome, and I'm kind of happy that I brought it up because I definitely like to see that portion of the website get updated and see like the more current stuff that you guys have worked on. Yeah, and once um, if, if uh, everything goes well with these two other, we have other things that are you know at different levels of of development, uh, different phases of it. The, the two that are really close to going once, you know, once they go and, and everything's set, I will definitely, uh, let you know. And, and I'll probably, you know, post something on no echo maybe once or twice. I won't, I don't want to like be that guy and do that either, but you know, it'd be nice to have support from, from a community, you know, some, some, it's always nice to, to see people from that, you know, the hardcore world doing things that are, that are uh, in different meetings, you know, and supporting that. And I try to do that on No Echo. Um, there's uh, someone, uh, Sean Simmons, who I met through No Echo, and he's a um, a writer and um, uh, producer, director, dude. And he had a show on YouTube, on YouTube Originals, called Wayne, scripted series, really cool. And uh, now he's doing um, a series. He's doing he and his partners. They are doing uh, the John Wick series. Oh wow! And he's just a hardcore kid. Yeah. So he, you know, again, just I love, I love that, and so always down to support people that are, you know, that, not so, not that he needs the support if he's doing a John Wick fucking series, but you know what I mean, like being happy for them and, and and letting people from our world know, you know, it's also inspiring, right? You see that, and you're like, well, if he could do it, I could do it. Yeah, exactly. I I feel like um, a lot of people should just take chances and do things that they want to do, even though um, they might be scared because you never know like what's going to happen. It it could be something really awesome or it won't, but I feel like it's better to say or be able to say that at least you tried. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I wanted to work in at a record label when I was a kid. I I had this idea in my head of what it was going to be like. And uh, I didn't know anyone that worked in a record label. I was a kid and I called up a phone number that was on the back of a record and I spoke to someone there and they said, come in, if you want to intern and he, you know, come in, just come in. And I did. And, you know, I ended up working at record labels. And, um, I know it's really hard. Well, again, back to the, the early part of the phone call, uh, it's hard. You gotta, you know, you gotta, uh, you can get rejected easily, but, um, you know, it's, it's so fulfilling when it, when it actually works. So, yeah, but I'm here, here I am still, still, uh, still knocking on doors and trying to get, you know, people to give me money to do something I love. 
Um, so, yeah, maybe I'm built for it. I don't know. Well, Carlos, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to do this. Uh, I'm really happy and I'm just like really appreciative of your time. And before we go, is there anything you want to shout out or plug that we haven't talked about? No, um, you know, uh, noecho.net, always uh, updating it with content, as stated before, always keeping it fresh, old and new, new and old. And um, if you if you are listening to this and, and you reached out to me and I haven't gotten back to you for whatever reason, please try again. I'm sorry. I tried to get back to everyone. Um, it's harder uh, at times uh, or harder now than ever with, you know, the site grows and there's more people reaching out. But I really try to get people um, at least decency to respond. Um, and uh, I do my best with that. So it's Carlos at noecho.net. Um, please don't send me messages on Instagram or Twitter because um, sometimes it's hard to keep up with that. And if email, like at least, you know, I have a folder where I put people I have to respond to. So um, hit me up on, on email and um, yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks for uh, inviting me. It's always an honor when someone asks me to, to do anything like this. It's nice to be on the other end of it. And uh, I appreciate it. Thank for you. sure. It was my pleasure. And thank all of you guys for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamie K podcast, Always on Top.